This is Bedside, a podcast series on a mission to debunk sex. I'm your host, Tatiana, and each week we uncover stories, ideas, and expert information to help guide you on your ever-evolving journey of deep love, relationships, and good sex. Oh, and a little bit of manifestation sprinkled in there too. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Bedside Podcast. I'm your host, Tatiana. If you are new here, a very warm welcome. On this podcast series, we talk all about dating, love, relationships, relationship to self, sex, a little bit of manifestation because, you know, we have fun with it. And if you are a seasoned listener, welcome back as well. I'm so happy to have you here. Happy 2024, you guys. It's so crazy that we're in the new year, but I honestly feel so ready for it. And I feel like something about this year, I feel very unrushed about getting into the new year. I'm just like here to take it at my own pace. I hope you are too. I don't know. I'm I'm not about like the new calendar, annual calendar mania. For me, I'm just like, let's ease into the new year and feel good about it and do it on our own pace. With that said, I feel like that kind of segues me honestly into our guest that I have on the show today. I'm really excited to introduce you to Dr. Liz Letchford. Liz is a mentor, coach, clinician, researcher. She has a PhD in kinesiology and rehab science, but her most kind of recent intersection has really been around physical body work meeting nervous system regulation. She's got an amazing company called Body Church, where she guides people from all over the world through transformational movement practices. And it's really, it was so great to hear her story as you'll hear on this episode today about how she kind of transitioned from really honestly like sports medicine and like traditional kinesiology work and how that has really manifested into a lot of the work she does with nervous system regulation and disharmony in the body. We cite in our talk a lot about the book, The Body Keeps Score. And if you haven't read it, it's a great read really about kind of like the mind-body connection. And I feel like Dr. Liz really helps break down a lot of what that means, how that's so deeply connected and really how our landscape of physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, even sensual health is all so deeply connected, especially to our deeper sense of wellness, of vitality, of all those amazing juicy things. So I am really excited to have you listen to this episode. It is such a dose of inspiration. When I was recording in the studio live with Liz, I was just like, glued. I felt like I was like glued to almost like a TV screen. You know, when you're just like, I can't stop listening to you. And I'm like nodding my head the entire time. I was like, please keep going. I know that you're going to love this episode so much. It's so helpful. There's so many tangible tips around how we can actually begin to like utilize our body and our nervous systems to regulate how we can lead our lives living in more harmony, especially our connection to body, our connection to self. It's so, so beautiful. And I really do urge you guys to check out Body Church, which is like I mentioned, Liz's movement practice. She actually hosts these every single week. She hosts them in Santa Barbara, but she does these live virtual classes and these live virtual workshops that are, you'll hear her explain it, but they sound incredible. I have yet to take a class, but I can't wait to because I think honestly, this will be a nice 
thing for me to continue integrating into the new year because it just sounds so beautiful, so freeing. And yeah, I hope that you love this conversation just as much as I do. So without further ado, please welcome Dr. Liz Letchford to the Bedside Podcast. Hi, Liz. Do you go by Dr. Liz? Tell me. You know, if that feels sexy to you, I can go by Dr. Liz. Please call me Liz. Okay. okay. (laughs) Well, welcome. Very warm welcome to the Bedside Podcast. I'm so happy to have you here today. And you guys missed it, but we just did a really great grounding (sighs) exercise, which I feel like, well, this is going to be a great transition into kind of what we're talking about today on the podcast. But we just we zoinked right in. We said, we're here. We're ready. <laughs> so anyways, just welcome to Bedside. So happy to Thank have you. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Yes. Well, we got connected through Scout, which is just mm-hmm. an amazing like podcasting network slash the sisters have their own podcast, which mm-hmm. is so wonderful. And I am so excited to have you on today because you really do this beautiful job of mastering this like intersection between the somatic, between sex and pleasure and our bodies, but then also spirit and spirituality. And I just love this beautiful connection because I think, you know, for so long, a lot of the way we learned about each of these categories was in silos. And you do such a beautiful job of intersecting everything together. And I can't wait to kind of hear so much more. But I guess before we get into all the juiciness, do you want to share with Bedside just kind of who you are and how you got to basically like the work that you do today? Yeah. So... I started out as a researcher, as a scientist, as someone really interested in in studying the body. And so I'm a clinician. I studied athletic training, sports medicine. And the more that I worked with people and athletes and those who were injured, those who had body pains that were one of those things where you're like, I don't know where this came from. We, We call it insidious onset. So it's like, I have no idea where this came from. The more I realized that it's not just the biomechanics. It's not just the anatomy. It's not just, oh, you know, your pelvis is a little bit off. That's a symptom of the whole body's ecosystem being out of harmony. And so the way that I was trained, it was just if there's a pelvis that's out of alignment, it's these muscles and and these bones, and maybe the foot is the cause and And no one was really paying attention or I never had official curriculum in the emotional component. We just would say, if there's an emotional component, we're going to just toss it off as psychosomatic. And so I take that as instead of just being like, oh, it's just psychosomatic, which is how my colleagues have treated people who are like, oh, it's just in her head. And I've been like, great, let's go there then. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And so I've, I've been known to just take these concepts that have been previously taboo or ostracized or siloed into like mental health. This is physical, but that's mental health. And been like, ah, ah, ah. no, 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 they are not separate. So I really just started diving into why are people's bodies hurting because of stories of their past and how do we help them harmonize that? Yeah. And so, oh my gosh, once I started diving into that, I started <laughs> unearthing all of these things that have been previously called taboo. Like 
It's not disconnected from your sensuality, which is different than your sexuality. It's not disconnected from the the things that we have called mental health issues, but are really just you trying to renegotiate and reharmonize what's going on in these stories and these archetypes and these parts of you that haven't been allowed to show up to the physical therapist or show up to your sports team or show up in the boardroom. And so that led me on a journey to be like, great, what is the ecosystem that can hold the entire person through their healing journey? And I didn't find one because like you said, they're all siloed. So I just created a new world and I called it (laughs) body church and I started inviting people in to be able to unwind. And so in my one-on-one practice, as a, as a practitioner, I invite people into a world where all of these parts can come through and we make the correlation between daddy hit me when I was five and my knee pain. And we are able to work gently through the nervous system, through unwinding the fascia, through doing corrective exercise it's, and through talking to the mind. It's a whole ecosystem that I'm really excited to to see becoming more popular. Yeah. People are curious about it. They're like, what's the emotional component of my back pain? I know there's something going on. Yes. Yeah. No, it's crazy because I remember when I had just a really big kind of like life transition happen for me and my mental health kind of took a turn. I remember I, the day something had happened that, like my back completely gave out and I had never had something happen like that before. Mm. And then I was talking to another friend who I know went through a divorce who was unfortunately in like a pretty abusive marriage, Mm. left the marriage and said like two days later was out on a run and like completely broke her ankle as like Mm. a relief. And it was almost like these weird body correlations. Mm -hmm. And I remember her, that girl even telling me just like, oh yeah, I'm reading this book. The body keeps score. And I'm realizing that the fact that I just broke my ankle is no small thing. Like this is completely linked to this big release that I'm having. Totally. (laughs) It's wild. And I see that happen all the time. And All of the research out there, so I got my PhD in kinesiology and rehabilitation science. Part of my research I did. I love it. You're like, I'm a nerd. Yeah. Like, like, let's look at the science. Let's look at it. Yes. Let's observe what's happening and try to understand it. Yes. And and that's what I do for the whole body now. Yes. But academia or where I was, where the research is, it's starting to get better, starting to get more curious. Um, But where the research was looking when it came to injuries and emotions was – How are people reacting to their injuries, not what emotions were happening before you got the injury? Mm -hmm. And so what I've seen with people, and so it's interesting that like I I got a divorce and then I broke my ankle. Yeah. What happens is when when we experience fear in the body, when we experience fear, it's a somatic reaction. Right? I don't know. I don't know how you experience fear. For me, I sometimes get like prickles or or like you'll freeze or Oh yeah. Yeah. I feel like I I used to suffer with getting panic attacks a lot. So fear for me was very much like a sensation that I would have a crazy somatic experience yeah. to. And for me, it was kind of just like I gotta get out of here, yeah. like flight majorly and yeah. like body shaking. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it can it's a massive somatic experience. So you have a fear. Yeah. Right. Think about think about the last thing you were afraid of. Like I drove here right? There was a car accident happening right before me. So there's a fear right then. It has nothing to do with my ankle or so you think. So I'm driving down, a fear happens. And now I'm, I'm so on high alert that I'm not paying attention to, I'm not aware of how, 
how I'm losing sensation in my body in order for me to hyper-focus on what's happening outside of me. Mm. And so my theory is that if we can start to meet our fears and become really, really familiar with that which we're afraid of, what we might be afraid of is... I hope this community likes me. I really hope that I'm not sounding stupid when I'm speaking in front of an audience. I I really hope that my partner doesn't think that I'm unworthy. And all of that stems from a fear that we had that is rooted in a story from our past. And so I'm not worthy. I'm not capable. I'm not. Those aren't your words. You're like most amazing highest self that you've got a taste of. You know who that is. Is not sitting there saying like, yeah, you're unworthy. No. Uh, <laughs> like it's it's rooting you on. And so there's stories are happening in our brains and they're disconnecting us from our physical bodies. For example, we'll take I'm getting a divorce and then I broke my ankle. So when we have fear in our body, it's a... We get, we get into fight, flight, or freeze response. It is a nervous system response. So a trigger happens. Oh no, my husband wants a divorce. Immediately you have a, <gasps> you might have a panic attack. Someone else might completely dissociate, literally not in their body. They're fully just a mental brain existence. Yeah. Can't even move. Some people can't speak. There's a broca's part of their brain that turns off. So our reaction to a very what would we would think psychological thing happening becomes a very physical thing, and the communication pathway between our brain and our body happens through our fascia. Do you know what fascia is? No, tell me. So it's this layer of a membrane that connects and covers everything in your body. So it goes around nerves and around your bones and connects everything. And I call it the fiber optic network of communication from your brain to the rest of your body. And so we have these stories that tend to create body blind spots. Have you seen those um those cell phone commercials that are like full coverage? Yes. <laughs> and, like one mobile provider will be like, you know, our coverage is great. And you see the whole map lit up and then compared to these guys and the map is like dim. We're in a trauma response or we have stories about fear that live in our bodies. It's like our network coverage is low. Mm. So when we start to illuminate those stories through feeling our body and stopping the or leaning into why is this numb it'll literally be numb that network isn't there for your communication to feel to be able to go to your brain or back to your body when we start to say okay i'm willing to feel this pain in my back or i'm willing to go into why i can't connect to my legs or i'm willing to go into that we start to illuminate the map so our brain has better what we call proprioception or the body's awareness of itself. And we start to illuminate. We have full coverage, really. It's That's embodiment. And the opposite of embodiment is fear. Mm. And fear is caused by stories. And stories are caused by whatever programs or traumas or fractures happened when we were younger. I mean, even like even not when we're younger, it can continually happen. And so my goal is to help illuminate those stories. Illuminate those stories, unfortunately, sometimes what we've been resisting and numbing ourselves to is the like, oh, intense emotions and intense feelings, like anger, the sadness, the pain. But if we can be courageous enough to go towards that and be like, okay, I didn't die. That's amazing. 
then we get to stretch our capacity to feel the good stuff too. Yes. And so that's what we love. We love feeling the good stuff. Yes, yes. (laughs) I always say like your capacity to like go like deep into your pain or like do kind of your more vulnerable work Mm -hmm. is also kind of the complete opposite side of like the capacity to experience pleasure Mm -hmm. and joy and like kind of living your fullest self. So it's kind of just broadening the spectrum. Like it's kind of like elongating, I feel like like a Laffy Taffy or something. I don't know. Like you're like stretching it out. Yeah. Stretch that capacity (laughs) to feel. And that's probably why I'm curious to ask you if you would agree with this, but do you think when people say that they've been through hard things or like kind of gotten to the other side of working through something that they wouldn't take it back? Oh my gosh. Absolutely. Yeah. Because once you've gotten to the other side, you're like, I'm not afraid to feel that. Mm -hmm. And so then you get to open up to bliss, to pleasure, you know, to good sensations and life becomes more colorful. You become more calm. You know, you mentioned panic attacks. And so one of the things that I've discovered is when we're in a state of nervous system tension, it's really hard to breathe. Mm. So we actually create, I call it the tension field. So if you take a deep breath right now, all the way in, like the deepest breath. You notice the straw starts to get smaller, right? It's like easy to breathe in and then it's like, and then it's like, yeah. (laughs) So that's the tension field. And so the tension field is a measure, is a somatic measure of how much tension is in our nervous system right now. And you can do it on the exhale too. So you can breathe all the way out. And sometimes it's hard to like fully push out, right? You have to like, And so some of that is, sure, our diaphragmatic resistance. But if you think about a panic attack, a panic attack is fully the walls closing in. You are in such a tension field that you can't breathe in and you can't breathe out. And it's just (laughs) – so the walls have closed in. The tension field is like here. You're living in between. I'm so afraid of the future and I'm living in the past. And I – this is your window of presence. Yeah. It's small. It's very, very small. Mm -hmm. And so when you start to allow that tension field to be matched by your movements, to be present in your physical body and actually allow the body to express whatever the fear is, you get to meet the fear. It takes a lot of courage. Mm -hmm. And that's the premise of Body Church is I give people a space to be able to unwind. So I teach them this, I call it the spirokinetic breath. It means breath movement. But you start to stretch your capacity. And that panic attack that was once like this tiny window of breath, like I can only breathe in so much. I can only breathe out so much. It starts to stretch because you discharge the fear. Yes. And the more you discharge the fear, the more you're like, oh my gosh, I can breathe. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, my breath is pleasurable. My existence is pleasurable, but it's not always like that. It's like, okay, if I'm opening to so much pleasure, I'm also willing to feel all of this tension, all of this gunk, gunk, all this discomfort, (laughs) right? But it makes life so rich. It's why we're here. Let's feel. Yes, yes. (laughs) Oh my God, I love this so much. I feel like you're speaking my language, just what we're like always talking about on bedside because I think it's so important. You know, many people have trouble accessing their desires, accessing their pleasure. And sometimes it's like less about focusing on 
sure, I'm always advocating to focus on your pleasures and desires because I think that holds no conditionality. Like we have access to that at all times, but there really is kind of a time and place to like maybe explore the opposite side too, to kind of broaden Mm -hmm. that horizon. I'm curious to like get your take on where we can begin exploring our desire more, especially if someone feels like, okay, like I know what you're saying, but I'm just not there. Mm, Yeah. Well, we can go so many different I know. <laughs> so I trained as a dominatrix. Did you? Uh, yeah. So wow. I trained as a dominatrix. So I've seen a lot of the depths of when we explore our pain. Now, I trained as a dominatrix to bring the somatic wisdom of going into your pain for liberation and bring it to a place that doesn't necessarily have to be sexual. So the body work that I do on people, sometimes I'll use rope, sometimes I'll use blindfolds, but it's a tool to help them get out of their head and into their bodies. And so I say that because right now you have a lot of black or white options. It's like you can either go to therapy or counseling. Right now there's like somatic liberation coaching. There's like somatic embodiment. You've got internal family systems. Yes. Yeah. Or if you want to go into the pain, there's the kink community. There's not really, there hasn't yet really been this gray area in between. So that's where I sit. Where it's like, (laughs) we're using the tools of going into your pain in order to find liberation. Bliss doesn't even necessarily have to be pleasure. Sometimes that can be a trigger word. So I map that out for you to say there's so many places where you can start. If you just want to dip your toe in, it starts by feeling and listening to your body. Now, for people who don't feel safe in their body, that can be a really difficult thing. And not feeling safe in your body feels like Every time I try to feel my body, my breath gets shallow or I start to feel really unsettled and my, my heart starts to beat or I, I can't. Mm-hmm. And so that is okay. That is okay. Just being aware of that is a really beautiful place to start. So I would recommend taking a moment, even if it's just two minutes out of your day, to just be still and just start there. Start to increase your window of tolerance of presence. Mm. And so there's so many practices of presence. There's dancing, which is moving presence. There's meditation, traditional meditation. There's even singing or creating, or when you're in flow, there's this active presence that's happening. So anything that brings you into the present moment where you're not thinking about the past, worried about the future, that's where I would say like, start there and just notice. Mm Notice how neurotic you are when you're asked to be present, you know, and just be like, wow, I can't. That's not easy. I can't. I'm still thinking about what happened yesterday. Yeah. All I did was breathe for 10 seconds, you know, but just noticing that and just starting to increase your window of tolerance. Yeah. For just compassion for yourself and be like, okay, of course I'm worried about the past. This is how my nervous system is wired. And Mm -hmm. that'll start getting, that usually starts getting people really curious about different modalities. Yeah. I love that so much. And it's like, as someone who literally meditates every morning, I still will have really busy brain mornings, Mm -hmm. even this morning where I was just like, I am clearly thinking about my to-do list in my moment of presence, but I'm just, I'm embracing it right now. I'm not going to be hard on myself. I'm just like noticing. And I think that's such a great piece of advice for sure. So tell me more about kind of the way that you have really kind of like what Body Church is and how you have began to like fuse all of these different parts together to help people connect more to like their desires and pleasure. Like what does 
What is going to body church or experiencing one of your classes? What is it like? Oh, you know, uh, you show up and it's either in person. On Sundays, I do a virtual class. And so the most beautiful community shows up because they're like, we're all here to just be free. Finally, for an hour on a Sunday, be free. Show up. I welcome you. I usually have a theme for the day. So like last, last week's theme was our inner artist. And so by giving you the archetype, tuning your body like a tuning fork to the archetype of artist, we start to meet all of the places in our body that are afraid of or judging or whatever in in wrong relationship to uh, or distorted relationship to your inner artist. So I start by picking an archetype. So then I get you into your body. I lead you into a breath, feel grounded. And then we start going. I teach you this spirokinetic breath practice, which helps you tune your body to your parasympathetic nervous system. So there's a lot of emotional release practices right now that are pushing for release, pushing for emotional release. Um, even in the kink community, the BDSM, it like pushes you through to liberation, like past your nervous system response into the energetic release. So we start to tune your body gently to be releasing at exactly the pace your body wants to. No sooner than it's ready to. So we let your body unwind at its pace. So the interesting thing about this movement class is I'm not teaching you what movements to do. Yeah, I'm teaching you how to listen to your body so that you can unwind your fascia, express your emotions. You can just lay still and rest for an hour, which many people do. They're like, my body feels so heavy. And it's like, beautiful. Congratulations. Your nervous system's like, bitch, rest. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And they're just like, they're like really slow and low for the whole time. I love that. And that's what their system needs. Other people are like shaking or, or maybe they're like moving in these spiral fascial lines. They're getting pops and cracks and releases. They're finally like releasing what happens in their hips. And I lead the whole thing in improv spoken word poetry. Oh, lovely. And so there's something that happens to the brain when you listen to rhyme. It gives you this cadence and it kind of drops you into this brain state, almost like hypnosis kind of state where you're in this lower brainwave state so that people aren't in like, oh, what am I going to do tomorrow? Oh, I'm worried about my boyfriend. Oh, I'm worried about my girlfriend. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, the brain, the chatter yeah. gets to attach to my words as I'm just like singing this poetry or speaking this like poetry about guiding their bodies through poetry so that their bodies can just do whatever they need to. Their mind is on the breath. Their ears are on the poetry and the music. I got like sexy music going. And then they can just watch their body doing all these weird shapes and all of these weird expressions without identifying with it, without just like letting go of the story. Yeah, no meaning making. No, like just, just let this shoop, process I, feel. Right. One of the examples I like to use of just letting go of the story of what your body's doing is – Imagine you are, someone's about to hit you. Like, what's your body's response? You might put your hand in front of your eyes, right? So when we're in this emotional release, fascial release, somatic, intuitive movement at Body Church, someone might start to like embody this movement where they're like, oh, shielding their face, shielding their eyes and kind of like squinting their face. And they could make the meaning of like, oh my gosh, am I replaying a time when I got hit? And it's like, or... If you do that movement right now, you kind of shield your eyes and you squint in your eyes. You could also just be looking at a sun that's too bright. 
Mm-hmm. So why are we creating stories when we don't even know? We're literally just making up stories based on association. Yeah. So it could just be like, oh, the sun was too bright. Let me look at the sun versus like someone hit me. Ah, You know, what story are you choosing to put to this position that your body's in, this reaction that your body's having? So I invite people to let go of the story. Observe themselves trying to make the story. What are you trying to be? You love being a victim? You love doing that? <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing that for? And just like, okay, we love that part of you that needs to have a story to understand. I I understand. But let go of the story. Let your body move. Get wild. Give yourself permission to get wild. And it's anchored to your breath. So your breath is doming your body. <laughs> so it's you holding you. We're doing it together, but I'm teaching you how to hold you so you can unwind without going back. You, know, you call it flashbacks or going back into a trauma response. The breath helps you stay present and kind of says, okay, baby, I'm going to give you these strong arms, this strong metronome, which is like the thing that like keeps time for yes. musicians. Give you this metronome to just tune yourself to. You might want to go wild, but you keep Keep that breath going and you'll just express just enough of that grief, just enough of that anger and move just enough in your fascia to get the unwind without falling back into the past. So it's very safe as long as you commit to doing the breath practice. Wow. It's been life changing for me, for people. Remarkable. Life changing. Life changing. Mm -hmm. I hope everybody's like tuned into what you just said because- Yeah, like I feel that relief of especially someone who's like been through it and kind of like in terms of like just having the trauma response of those panic attacks being so awful and then being like, you know what, like why am I going into that story? And like, do I have to go all the way left? And like, I remember for me, I've said this on the podcast before, but for anybody who's new here who's listening, like when I remember going through this phase of my life a couple years ago, I was... And I don't want to blame like therapy, but I was just in the wrong type of therapy because mm. they kept trying to be like, well, why? Why is this happening? Why am I da da da? And it was like, drop the story of the why. Like we are not in the why of this anymore. And let's now like change and switch gears. And I found like a different modality that actually got me more in my body, more in the present to like drop all the stories and be like, we're here in the now. So like, how are we going to operate? How are we going to make that? Like you said, how are we going to make that window bigger mm. and window of tolerance? And that's when I feel like I got my life back. Wow. And I was like, oh, so anyways, I love this so much because it's sharing that. Like, I think a lot of what media is showing around doing deep work, quote unquote, now is going down that crazy, like spiraling tunnel. And I think people can kind of get stuck there. And I feel like what you're saying is yes and come back. And drop the the fucking story because, like, move the fuck on. Like, I think everybody needs to hear that a little bit. And no matter what you've been through, there's been big T, little T traumas. We're here for it. I'm here for it. And I I understand it. But I think I like what you're saying. It's like, okay, but also – Come on, like, let's move on. Stick with your breath. Like, stick with the, stay with me. Yeah, Yeah. watch it. We're not dishonoring it. We're not bypassing it. We're not discrediting it. And in fact, we're giving it the ultimate honor by observing it, giving it a stage to play out and be like, yeah, let's let that little one throw a temper tantrum on the floor because mommy was like, don't, you're not allowed. And it's like, so it got locked and fractured in when you're five years old. And so now in your real life, 
all you're doing is either trying to play out the temper tantrum or every time you want to throw something that feels like a temper tantrum, you get this other voice in your head that's like, don't do it. Don't do it. It's not your voice. It's your mom's voice. That's not even hers. And so that's where we get into. (laughs) That's what we've called in the spiritual community ancestral trauma, right? It's very real and it's just programming and story. And so, yes, like we are honoring in the deepest way what you've been through. And our stories are so important because they give other people permission to let go while also maintaining the honor and the lessons and the strength that they have now from that story. So that's the empowerment of the story. Mm. But you talk about doing the work. You know, doing the work. I'm doing the work. I'm going to all the medicine ceremonies. I'm screaming into my pillow every night. And it's like, can we do the play? Yes. Can we just do the play? Uh, can we Can we play and also literally put on a play, have a safe place to play out these characters that are trapped inside? That's how my poetry came online. I finally let go. I finally met the somatic like movements, observed my somatic movements enough. And all of a sudden one day I just started teaching class in rhyme, the whole thing. And I was like, I don't know, y'all. You know, I don't know who that was. <laughs> At the end of class, I was like, guess we're doing poetry now. <laughs> so my artistry got unlocked. Yes. Have you ever experienced anything like that? I I'm sure I have. A story isn't coming to mind, but like, yes, absolutely. Just like the flow. Where you're just like, who, how did this just like who pour out of me? Yes. Yeah. Where, yes. where sometimes you're like, oh, many times I'm like, was that me? Yeah. You know? <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> but it was. Yes, it was. Yeah. It was you completely unburdened by trauma, story, pain, not believing you're capable of doing that art that you're made to do. Yeah. And so for me, yeah, I've unlocked this like ability to just flow. You know, you see like uh, rappers will just like improv in the moment. I don't have the like rap culture in my bones. (laughs) And so for me, it comes out in this like sexy spoken word poetry and I start moving my body. And so it's been such a cool I found my artist. Mm -hmm. I was such a scientist. I'm like, you don't go get a PhD unless you're like fully neurotic about like, I mean, no offense to the, everyone has a PhD. You know what I mean? (laughs) There's no offense. They're all just like, yeah, yeah, you're right. You know, you're just like, I'm psycho about understanding in my, in my left brain, this thing. (laughs) And so my right brain was starved. And so I finally felt safe enough to stop understanding and I started creating. Mm. That's artistry. It's like our left brain quantifies and our right brain is taking in and observing and giving us permission to create. And when both brains, both hemispheres are online, we are fully embodied and we feel calm even in the most intense situations. Mm. So that is the goal is non-reactivity. Yes. And non-reactivity is not no boundaries. Because you better believe I found my inner dragon. And now when I interact with someone who's violating a boundary, I don't have to be like, well, daddy's your boy. And like yelling at them. I don't have to be my dragon, but I know I'm sitting there and I got, I got a dragon inside. I got my dragon right behind me. And I'm like, you're not going to want to mess with me. (laughs) But I'm so compassionate for what you're going through right now. And I'm very calm and my, my heart isn't racing. Because I know I've found, I've unwound my somatic dragon archetype. And 
I know she's back there. And so I don't need to be super reactive and super inflammatory and like such a bitch, you know? I mean, bless the bitch archetype. Like we love her too, (laughs) but I can interact with the world in a way that I don't violate my own boundaries. I don't let other people violate my boundaries. I'm experiencing bliss without feeling guilt. I'm experiencing pleasure without feeling sinful or whatever my Christian upbringing wanted me to believe. Right. And that is full permission to live the full spectrum human experience. And from that place, it's like, It's so beautiful. It really is. It's living. It's living. Yeah. Once you tap into that feeling, it's like you can't give it up. And then that's why you're locked in. I love it. I'm like feeling so much of that energy right now. I'm like, yes. But I wanted to ask you a bit because we talk a lot here about archetypes, but it seems Mm -hmm. like you're also really locked into kind of like channeling your different archetypes. So tell us, tell bedside listeners a little bit more about kind of how maybe like what archetypes are and kind of the importance of really channeling them. I I already am like, I see how it's so connected to the fascia system. Is that what it's called? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. So each of our archetypes has a somatic imprint. There's similarities between each of ours and there's differences. So if you think of like the body position that you go into when you're feeling really powerful, right? Your shoulders go back. You like feel your feet in the ground and you kind of have this proud chest. That's a somatic archetype. That's a somatic meaning of the body. That's a body archetype. On the opposite end of the spectrum, when you're feeling disempowered, you know, you can imagine, like, like feel disempowered right now. It's like, mm, it's like really, like yeah. your shoulders go in, and you kind of like slump in the middle. You don't, you're, you're like, what is your backbone? <laughs> is it even there? Is it there? We're Jello now. <laughs> yeah. And so the thing about the archetypes is, when you're feeling disempowered, actually in your body, you're like, I'm in this situation. My boss just yelled at me. I'm feeling really disempowered. Your body wants to. Your fascia is pulling you to round your spine and round your shoulders forward. But your brain might say, oh, shit, I can't let them see that I'm weak. Mm -hmm. So now you're going to go against your body and by all means, pull your shoulders back and try to seem like you've got you're in your empowerment so now you're literally fighting with your body mm. and your, your body is, is in a state of disharmony and you'll feel it in your breath. You're in a tension field. You'll feel it in your breath. And so that's one example how, of how archetypes show up in our body. And so when we're able to either put our bodies into that position or observe, if I'm to say, if I'm going to stand in front of you and give you my full power, it's going to cause your body, your energy body, your physical body to react to the archetype of power. And so think about like who represents power in your life right now. Think about that for a moment. And now let your body, if you just exhale and let your body, imagine they're standing right in front of you. Let your body react to them. Is it calm? Are you cowering? Are you you wanting to cower? But you're like, no, 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 I'm not a coward. I don't want to. There are so many opportunities to react so many different ways to different people. And so when we react and it is disempowering, when we react and it causes us harm, when we react and it puts us in a sympathetic, a fight or flight response, we know we have a weird relationship with that archetype. Yeah. It's not the person. So you think about who you're in conflict with right now. It can be yourself, but it's probably (laughs) being mirrored in someone else. Like who's pissing you off right now? Mm. They have an archetype that if you were to sit 
in body church or wherever and embody that archetype, you would meet so many parts of you and learn so much about it's not them, y'all. It's you. Yes. So can you become your inner them? Ooh, that's edgy. Can you become your inner them and be like, how do I feel about this person? Your body will tell the story of why you're so in reaction to that person. And you're going to go back to childhood. You're going to go back to the story that that one person planted in your brain that made its way into your nervous system that caused you to believe that. And sometimes those stories come from our culture. Sometimes those stories come from our upbringing. Sometimes those stories are are transgenerational, many generations old. And so we get to get really still and really quiet and listen to what is our body's wisdom? Not what has society told me I should react or sit like or stand like or that's all manipulation. So can you get really still, really quiet, really honest Mm. with yourself and just be curious. Why am I reacting to this person or this situation? We are all medicine for each other. Yes. I love the energetic of curiosity and play. But what you also reminded me is I love the energetic of envy. Oh, yeah. Because for me, like, I love when I, like, am sitting in a space of that because that, to me, is an archetype that I get to then explore. And for a while, I used to, like, be that person who'd be like, if I envy someone, then it's them. It's, like, who they are that I'm envying. And I'm like, no, it's a part of them that they're expressing that is unexpressed within me that now I'm really excited to go out and explore. And like, what is this archetype for me? What have I been modeled around it? What did this random teacher put me down about in grade school? One comment that then stuck with me for the rest of my life about something that then damaged like this version of who I felt like I couldn't express myself as, right? And so I love like that to me is always such a tangible emotion to be like, let's dissect and like kind of move away the layers. I always say if you're jealous of someone... You can take it as like, well, they got to, they do, or they're doing, or (laughs) you can say, great, thank you. Thank you, jealousy. What you're showing me is the life that I want to live. So let me figure out how to get there. Mm -hmm. Let me not tear that person down. All right. Let me get over myself and, and congratulate them. And then be honest with myself and find the path that feels that way. So find the people you're jealous of and be like, oh, I would like that life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would like that feeling that I think that they're having by being beautiful or successful or wealthy or have the partner. Mm-hmm. It's not that. That's not what you're jealous of. You're jealous of the feeling of bliss, of being happy. Yep. And so go towards that. That's going towards the pain. That's the kinkiest stuff in the world. <laughs> That's what we're all about. <laughs> You see the full circle of like, we are some kinky folk. Yes. <laughs> we have a lot of curiosity. Yeah. So to go. Yes, yes. <laughs> I love that. I wonder what for you was like a archetype that you feel like kind of used to be more of a shadow for yourself, but now you're like, oh, I fully embodied her, they, them, whatever. And it's now kind of like my superpower. I think that's what we're kind of talking about here is like transforming what is a shadow, what is dark, what is the emotion you're not letting yourself feel and actually bringing it into the light and kind of Mm. using it to your advantage. Yes. What a brilliant question. (laughs) So the first thing that comes to mind is like the powerful feminine and this 
um, sensual embodiment, to, to be able to use your, we'll call it the, the feminine, the receptive energy in order to move energy or in order to seduce someone into what you would like for them to do. Well, I had a chip on my shoulder because <laughs> because I had this story that the masculine I identify as queer, so it doesn't matter if it's in a feminine body or masculine body or non-binary body. And that energy of like I can hold you, whether that shows up in a partner or a medical practitioner. I had this story, no one can hold me. So my feminine had a chip on her shoulder of like, you know what? I'll just hold myself. I'll do it all myself and I will just eh. And it created this shadow archetype that I'm grateful I got to play in. But it was really like very powerful only because I was pushing to magnetize someone who could actually hold me. So I found myself pushing into big emotions, big wild chaos. Like I'm going to show up really big to try desperately, my little girl, try desperately to find someone who's not afraid of my big emotions. Mm. What I had to integrate was, hey, that's me. <laughs> I got to find the masculine in me. And unfortunately, as many of us have experienced, when we experience, I had conflated masculine with it's going to take from me because I have experienced in my life where the masculine took from me in sexual situations and other situations. And so my body literally had the imprint, even chemically, even biologically, I had low testosterone. My body was rejecting the masculine because when I was a baby, I had someone touch me inappropriately. My body kept that memory. The body keeps the score, as the book says. My body kept that memory. It wasn't until I unwound that found the empowerment of it, was finally went through all the pain, all of the victimhood, watched myself just be like, no, I can't thank this person for touching me. I can't thank my oppressor. I can't thank them yet until I finally met the parts of me that were oppressing me. Mm. Then I could finally see where the empowerment was. And I said, oh, thank you. Thank you for strengthening me here. I became so strong. I magnetized so much feminine power to try and get someone to hold me. Wow, thank you. Wow. And so I finally found the empowerment. So for me, and now, now I don't need to be wild and crazy. I don't need to prove anything. I don't need to be big unless it's time for me to be big. Unless it's the right moment, then I'm not afraid to be big because I found that archetype. So our, the things that we've gone through that we call abuse, I like to say, can we take our abuse and make it of use? And so our brain hears abuse, but can we start to program it to be like, it's of use, it's of use. Mm -hmm. And we're not dishonoring, we're not discrediting all the pain. All of, yes, I, I have such compassion for the little part of you that is really hurt that shouldn't have happened. And it did. And so can you take the abuse and make it of use? Can you find the empowerment and turn it into your superpower? Mm -hmm. And so that's what I did. And now it's like, whew, what else was I afraid of that I can be unafraid of? And yeah. it makes you untouchable. Mm -hmm. No one can affect you. Yeah. No one can affect you. And that if we had a world full of people who were non-reactive, who were leading from a place of groundedness and like truth, 
you know, who knows capital T truth, but at least little T truth. This is true for me. <laughs> wouldn't that be a beautiful world? Yeah, it would be crazy. That'd be great. <laughs> it wouldn't even look the same. Everyone would be so sexy. I'd be like, you're in your power, babe. Let's be friends. Yeah. It's really electric and it's so fun meeting other people who, when you have certain conversation, you can kind of tell and meet other people who've also been there and it feels so magnetic mm. to connect with others who kind of have been in this space. And even if you're like, I'm not there yet, but like you're eager, that's still the same thing. That's right. Like it's just that willingness. And I love even that, like you've created spaces to really explore yeah. what this can mean for you and all the different modalities. Love it. Yeah. So awesome. Thank you. <laughs> and that's what Body Church is, a place to explore all of these archetypes. So the Sunday service class is just, you know, I cheekily called it church. I love it. I love it. <laughs> it's just we're reclaiming that word. It's, it's sacred. It truly is sacred. It is you holding you, you witnessing you, you feeling the divinity in you. And it's it's sacred and it's profane and it's all of it, full spectrum. Um, and it's a place for you to really unwind your, your archetypes and, I... and courses to help you unwind individual archetypes. It's so cool. I also want to like tap into the like sensuality, mm. sexuality piece okay. for a second right. of this, because I think, again, a lot of us like might look at sensuality and sexuality as something different than exploring mm. our emotions or maybe even connecting to certain types of desire and like wonder, okay, well, how can I maybe utilize my sensuality to explore more of my desires or utilize my sexuality and mm. like a capacity to explore my emotions, right? Some things that might not mm. feel like it's like A to B. Mm -hmm. I'm just curious where the component of all that integrates. <laughs> this is one of my favorite things to talk about. So thank you. Of course. <laughs> so I have this theory that our desires are leading us to the medicine we need. For example, you desire to be in relationship with this person. And your body, somewhere in your body, has a wound that is causing a magnetic pull towards this person. So you think about like all these toxic relationships or like, oh, I've married my dad or I've married my mom. You've heard that. So yes. Yeah. Why do we do that? Because incest is not biologically. We're like, no, 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 no we don't want to do that. <laughs> so why do we do that? Because we're trying desperately. Our bodies are so smart. They're trying desperately to complete a trauma. It's brilliant. And so our desire, our body is so wise that it has this biological device in it to help you complete trauma and have it be pleasurable. How nice. Well, unfortunately, we've lived in a society that's completely shut down our pleasure or completely tainted it and used it for manipulation. So now we have this really weird relationship with pleasure. Yeah. So we start to try and fill our desires with things that aren't pleasure that feel like mm, sweets or eating or I'm going to just uh, become a lawyer because I guess I'm trying to complete my daddy wound. And then our relationships take the toll because they're there. That's where we get to be intimate. Our bodies are supposed to try to complete the wound. But if we don't let ourselves cry during sex, if we don't let ourselves be really honest with what our nervous system actually wants, if we're not even in our bodies enough to listen to what our nervous system wants, we're not going to get the medicine from pleasure. 
So it starts with understanding we have a warped, as a society, we have a very warped relationship with pleasure, which is an injustice because biologically speaking, pleasure is our medicine to be able to heal our trauma. Mm -hmm. And the only community that's doing that right now is the kink community. And so we're trying to create a gray area where it's not going into BDSM, going into kink to heal your trauma, going into sexuality to heal your trauma with a practitioner can be really, really intimidating, like might violate boundaries of your relationship. So that's not necessarily accessible to everyone. But what is accessible is starting to feel sensuality is different than sexuality. So starting to feel sensuality in your body, which is your senses. It's what are you smelling? What are you tasting? What are you feeling in your body? What does your body really want to feel through your nervous system? It doesn't even have to be through your sexual energy, your desire. You know, you see people like in Tantra, they're like moving so much energy. It doesn't even have to be that way. It's just your nervous system, your fascia, your nerves, your brain. So it's like brain sex. (laughs) (laughs) Which is cool. I want to share it. That's like brain sex. Me too. (laughs) They say your brain is your largest sexual organ. Oh, absolutely. And it's because of – it's the conductor of your nervous system. Meaning like the marionette wires, we're all just marionettes for our brain. And so if we have stories in our brain, those are what are controlling our fascia. Mm -hmm. And what we're controlling are therefore our muscles and our movements, our trauma responses. And so it is so important to connect to your sensuality first. Can I feel safe to feel? Then you will start to unlock. It's like literally a key in a lock. Oh, I've unlocked this archetype of my sexuality. And so we get, we've all been there where it's like I'm in a sexual dynamic with myself, with a partner, with multiple partners, with a fantasy. And there's guilt and there's shame. And the opposite of embodiment, the opposite of liberation is guilt and shame and fear. And so if we can meet our fears and be honest with ourselves first, and then if we're in a romantic partnership, sexual partnership, be honest with our partners and be like, hey, 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 I'm feeling really scared right now, or I really want to cry. And sometimes it's hard because when we're feeling really scared or we want to cry, sometimes our language centers turn off. Mm -hmm. And so being able to have to choose partners or to teach partners or to take curriculum that can teach them how to listen to their body so that you can have sex that is also healing. And play is healing. You know, pleasure is healing. And so we get into this like, oh God, but if sex is healing, then it's work, you know? And I'm like, no, 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 no. We're just playing. And so we're just playing a role. And if I cry, it's not because it's bad. It's because, oh, finally, I can cry. And the most profound experience I've ever had in a sexual dynamic was when I finally was with a partner, a lovely, lovely man who is a space holder. He's is like a, is like a healer for a living. And so he knew how to hold space. He wasn't afraid of tears. So finally, for the first time, I felt like I'm going to just cry. And my body at first was like, sorry, you know, like, yeah. I didn't, I mean, it's not sexy. Okay. I'm sorry. And, and he was like, it's okay. And I was like, what? And so I got to sit there and cry and have it be the most beautiful thing I've ever felt. It was full permission to just like, if this is what your body needs to sense in this sensual experience, who told us that crying wasn't beautiful? Mm -hmm. And so now I had that imprint and I'm able to 
hold people and encourage people to feel okay with whatever. I mean, rage, tears, bliss. I've been with partners who are so afraid when I just start fucking laughing in the middle of every. They're like, what's so funny? I'm like, stop. I just want to, I'm just, my body is doing this thing because I want to experience bliss and I'm just being a mirror for their limited capacity for bliss. Yeah. Right. So they're like trying to like break. They're like, I don't know. I can't hold that because I can't hold it in me. And so I'm like, oh, I'm I'm happy to help you stretch your bliss capacity. That's fine. And so when we're able to stretch our own capacity, we're able to help be a mirror uh, for other people and a permission slip for other people to stretch their capacity. And then we have way better sex. And it's healing because that's what it's designed for. Yeah. It is literally designed to help integrate all parts of you. Because when you heal a part of you, for example, a younger part of you, that you've fractured, that you can't have access to, right? You're really afraid to play. You're really afraid to play because mommy said, stop playing, stop being this. And you're like, okay, I'll never do that again. You made a commitment to yourself. When you integrate that into your body, fully mind, body, soul, energy, body, all parts of you, what naturally happens looks like what we call an energetic orgasm. So that energetic orgasm is the thread that sews your fractured part back into all parts of your being, mind, body, physical body, and spirit, energy body, whatever you want to, whatever you want to call it. Okay. I'm not married to any sort of doctrine. (laughs) You have this, uh, that sounds maybe, uh, sounds vocally like an orgasm, but it's this whole body bliss. Mm. It is bliss. Mm -hmm. And we've conflated that with sexuality. And so I'm like, yo, this society is tricky. I see where you've manipulated us to not tap into our healing capacity, our ability to hold all of these archetypes, our ability to be in our power, our own healing potential, our own healing capacity. Oh, it's brilliant, honestly. But when you see it, you're like, oh, but I'm smarter (laughs) because I have access to my inner brilliance. I no longer have to look for external practitioners to give me the answers. I know the answers and I could find practitioners to hold me, Mm -hmm. but I know what my body needs. Mm -hmm. And like, that is my prayer for everybody. Like, may you be able to access your inner wisdom so that you can know what your body needs instead of giving over your power to someone to say, you're smarter than me. You went to school. You must know what my body needs. They don't. Once you can access that, you're like, oh, I'm going to need an endocrinologist. I'm going to need a shamanic healer. I'm going to need someone who can just hold me so I can vent. You will know who you need. Yes. So stop searching for gurus. You're your own guru. (laughs) (laughs) I love this. Yes. Like, I could listen to this for hours. (laughs) Like, locked fucking into every single word you're saying, but it is so true. And just like even your own stories into it. And I think what's so interesting is just the way that you're describing how when it all locks together, Mm -hmm. like that's when you're finding that answer within you and you're not needing to outsource as much. Yes. We're not so desperately reliant on people so that when our outside ecosystem shifts, when we lose things, when we lose friends to death or to whatever situation, it's not so devastating. Yes. We can just honor what was and we can bring that part of them in, but we're not dependent on anything. Mm-hmm. We can then, from our power, live in an ecosystem that supports itself. 
I'm not dependent on anyone. It doesn't mean I'm living by myself in the woods, just like I can do it all on my own. No, I know when I can ask for what, when I need help. Yeah, and I'm not a, uh, yeah. Yes. You know, I've got like geniuses surrounding me who are in their power to be like, hey, you're really good at rubbing feet. You want to rub my feet? I really need it. I'll reciprocate. And yeah. here's, here's my genius. <laughs> you know, you want to go into like playing characters so you can heal your archetypes? I got you. I got yeah. you. <laughs> and so we live in this ecosystem of reciprocity yeah. versus with this strange ecosystem we live in now where it's like, can I either be a healer who's just slate martyring myself and giving so much away or someone who's just taking, 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 taking. I need to take from you in order to get my food, in order to get my water, in order to get my relationship, in order to get my sex. I'm going to take. Can we start to find the middle ground between giving and receiving? Yes. Reciprocity between masculine and feminine, between light and dark. It's truly the middle way. It's, yeah. Can we that be? That intersection of every. Ooh, and it's, it's harmony. Yeah. And coming back to science, our body is biologically designed to maintain harmony. We call it homeostasis. So this is measurable in the body through science. It is a known fact. And so our bodies are designed to maintain harmony. Our ecosystems are designed to maintain harmony. Look at nature. And so when we are not in harmony, harmonic resonance with ourselves, with archetypes, with nature, we're in disharmony. Mm -hmm. And there's going to be big, wild forces in ourselves externally that are going to present themselves to try and put us back into harmony. Sometimes that force is love. Force is like, I love you. You seem really sad. Let me hold you. If we don't have the capacity to receive kindness and compassion, guess what's going to show up? Not love. It's going to be fear. And now I'm going to scare you into finally relaxing and letting go or I'll burn your entire house down so that you have to let go. So if you think about all these moments in your life where you've been forced to just be like, well, that disaster happened. Maybe that was fear showing up because you need to learn how to let love in. (laughs) And so you just see like, you know, however you see the world, if that makes no sense, great. (laughs) You know, if, if you believe in coincidence, great. But if you believe in the, everything is perfect and the universe is working for you, it starts to make sense. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, for anybody like aligned with that school of thought as well, it's not to be like, I think the more you tune in, this is my belief. I'm curious if you're aligned with this. I think the more you tune in, the more you familiarize yourself with self Mm. and like learn to love all the parts is when you kind of aren't (laughs) thrown some of those like wrench lessons all the time, right? Like you can actually begin to listen to the whispers that are calling you instead of like having the rug pulled from underneath you. And don't get me wrong, like shit sometimes just happens in life. That is life. But I also believe that, you know, it can get easier the more you you actually start paying attention to the little whispers around you. It's true. And I can speak from personal experience in my own life and also observing people who are in the body church community who have been devoted to this practice of, let me just understand myself. For me, I, it's not to say I don't go through hard things. Every day I meet, I do the I do the spirokinetic unwinding practice as my as soon as I wake up in the morning to process anything that my brain was trying to process in my dream world. So every single day I meet an intense part of me. And sometimes I think like, oh gosh, this is so difficult. It's so intense. So yeah, while I might show up here and say like, I am not afraid of that intensity, it doesn't take away from how intense it is. It actually gets more intense as you stretch the capacity to feel the intensity. But you know that the payoff is being untouchable, Mm -hmm. being 
authentically you and magnetizing people who are loving that about you, who are authentically them. And so the more that you excavate this part of you doesn't mean your life is going to be so easy. It's not. It's not to say that like people aren't going to go through intense things. Mm -hmm. I've been through so many intense things, but it's just your capacity to hold the intensity increases, which is really, really profound. Yeah, it really, really is. And not to switch gears here because I'm like (laughs) loving this so much. I feel like we could go in so many different directions, but I always ask people and I'm just so eager to know because you had kind of mentioned you wake up every morning and you do, I'm spacing out on the breathwork exercise. Uh, Spirokinetics. Spirokinetics. Is this something you coined? I did. Oh, okay. Love it. So you do spirokinetics. I'm curious to know kind of what your own personal Mm. grounding routine is because I think it's always nice to hear how people actually tap in, how people tune Mm. in themselves and kind of integrate these practices into their every day. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Some days I'm more grounded than others. That's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Some days I'm just flying high. So I I wake up in the morning and I move my body. I do the spirokinetics practice. So basically I'm, instead of just letting my body move intuitively, I know that isn't the most efficient for my nervous system because I might start to be dancing my trauma. So I hold the breath practice. I do the spirokinetic unwinding, basically a personal little mini body church. And I, I get to meet the parts of me that perhaps my brain was trying to process at night. So we dream. Our dreams are just trying to get us to process. So they give us pictures and images. Our brains are brilliant. Yes. Gives us pictures and images and situations that are so obscure and fantasy-like so that we're not so threatened. We don't get into a trauma response. So think about this. Our brains enter a fantasy world at night so that our bodies can start to make peace with all of these situations that are happening in our waking life. And so the beauty of fantasy, almost every single culture, Greek culture as gods and Hindu culture has created the fantasy world for you to help unwind in. So I enter into my own fantasy world every morning (laughs) after my fantasy world from my brain at night and I unwind. And however long that takes, it's beautiful. Then afterwards, because my body is so open and I've met this creator artist, I've now opened the way for my artist. I'll usually like write poetry or I will create. So maybe it's creating new curriculum for different archetypes at body Mm -hmm. church. So that is my time to work is like right after I've just opened the channel and cleared the channel. So now I'm not creating in order to (laughs) heal my own traumas, right? Like, let's not do that. And so, I mean, or let's do it, you know, full permission. And then I eat a lot of grounding foods. I make sure to eat. That's really important. And then throughout the day, if I meet any sort of, if I find myself in a tension field, I'll do a little mini unwind. I can't tell you how many times. Oh my gosh. Especially at the airport or at dinners, I'll like go to the bathroom and just like do a little mini unwind. Yes. (laughs) In order to like come back to center. Yeah. And so that is my process. I'll just do that throughout the day um, and just make sure that my my physical body is taken care of. So, which is the most important thing. Yeah, I love that. And then also to ask, we ask everybody who comes on the show this, but what is on your bedside table currently? Oh my gosh. (laughs) Currently it is, oh my gosh, it is the I Ching, which is, which is, what's that? So it is this book that is 
from the Chinese tradition that has all of these different, almost like keys. And it's like little prose or, or poems about different keys of ourselves. So yeah. it's a, it's, it's one doctrine, the I Ching to help understand yourself. Oh, nice. And so I love to take a look at all of the doctrines to help you understand yourself. So most recently on my bedside table before that were the gene keys, which is a poetic derivative of the I Ching and in a couple of other things like uh, human design oh, and, and, a, and other things. So yeah. all of these different ways of looking at the whole person and all of the different parts or all of the different archetypes or whatever you want to call it. So the I Ching. I also have <laughs> a little statue of Gabriel. <laughs> Love. Um, I also have a <laughs> I also have a childhood teddy bear that while I was going through something really intense, I like would hug. I have this like childhood, it's like this big teddy bear. That's and I, so sweet. So I've put it on my bedside table now because I didn't want to put it back you know, in the you know storage where it was. But how sweet that I was like got it out. I was like, that's so cute. I know we love a good stuffed animal. Yeah. <laughs> um and what else is on a battery operated candle that I can turn on because I don't like to turn on lights at night for my yes. you know, my uh, melatonin. Yeah. So that's all. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Great bedside. Yeah. <laughs> I'm inspired. <laughs> that battery, I literally hear something new every single time, Liz. Like I learn great bedside hacks, but the, wow. the battery powered candle is a new one. Right. I'll take that with me. Yeah. It, it beats a lamp. It's giving like romantic candle vibe. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love it so much. Well, thank you so much for coming here, joining us. This was such a treat. You are welcome back anytime. Thank I feel you. like you're just like are we're so aligned and I feel like you have so many different pools of wisdom to share and really go like delve so deep mm-hmm. and serve so much to people listening. So I just appreciate that so much. Want to send love. Well, anyways, I just want to say like truly thank you so much for joining us. And yeah, tell everybody listening where they can connect with you and learn more about Body Church. Thank you so, so, so much. Um, I loved this conversation. You can go to bodychurch.com. Uh, you can find me at lizletchford.com. On social media, it's We Are Body Church or Liz Letchford. You'll find me. Please send me a message. And if you heard me on this podcast, if you want to test out a Body Church class, just use code Dr. Liz and you'll get your first class free. I would love for you to join me for a class. And so, yeah, I invite you. There's, I have a membership as well. So, oh, which I love. It's an incredible community. People are all over the world. We have people in Egypt and South Africa. And we, I mean, it's all over the world. And so I see the community like doing little body churches in all of their different countries. And it's a place where you can learn and experience and grow and really wind through these archetypes and find yourself and feel free. So I'd love for you to join us there. I love that. Well, thank you so much. All right, guys. We'll catch you next week. Thank you for listening to the Betside Podcast. I hope you love this episode as much as we did making it. If you have any feedback, questions, or suggestions for future episodes, or if you just want to chat, don't hesitate to reach out to us at The Bedside on Instagram and thebedside.co online. You can also find us at By The Bedside on TikTok. To stay updated on our latest episodes, be sure to subscribe to our podcast on your preferred platform. And if you found this episode valuable, I would so greatly appreciate if you could leave us a rating, a review, text it to a friend, share it to your Instagram stories. Let's get this message out there loud and clear. Until next time, thank you so much for tuning in and I'll see you next week.